unstoppable kick-ass confidence. Are you ready? Welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush, where we help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. Now please welcome our host, Christopher Roush. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. It's Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and you are at your place for the uh, Raw and Unscripted Show with Christopher Roush. I'm your No Excuses Coach, and I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And we are here every single Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, bringing you the goods of how you can elevate yourself and your confidence and your overall ability to live a kick-ass, unstoppable life. We're here every single week. And then God's honest truth, tonight we're celebrating our 200th episode 200 episodes since I started the Raw and Scripted Show back in January of 2019. I'm super excited. So my guest gets to parlay in the, and have fun with me in the celebration. I can't believe it's already been 200 episodes. I remember when I started this show, I had just got done doing a three-year show. I did a, a live radio show on Blob Talk Radio called the Kick-Ass Radio Show. And I did that for about three and a half years. And it was live and everything. And I just really dug it. And people were sitting there saying, oh, you should do a podcast. You should do a podcast. And I was like, I don't know, just like sitting by myself in a room, like talking and just, I don't know if I could sit there and do that and think about that. But ultimately I was invited to join a uh, podcast network called the Speaking to the Heart Podcast Network. And the gentleman convinced me to come on there and he's like, you can do a podcast, you can do whatever you want, you can call it whatever you want. And I, I gave it a couple of weeks and I started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't want to call it the Kick-Ass Radio Show. I'm like, what is, what do I want to get across to people? What do I want people to experience? And that's how we came up with Raw and Unscripted with Christopher Roush. So thank you for being here for all these 200 episodes. I know there's a lot of you guys listening and watching who are my ardent followers and fans, which I don't even like saying, but I appreciate you guys for being here. I appreciate you guys sharing out the show as you do every single week, whether you're live or on the replay, this is a conversation with you. This is not just my guest and myself having an interview kind of thing. This is a conversation where you get to chime in. So at any point, if you would like to go ahead and um, go ahead and let us know what kind of questions you have. Let us know what kind of comments you have as we're talking and, and just engage in the conversation with us. That's what you get to do. That's the benefit of watching this on the video cast. If you are, I know a lot of you listen to on the audio podcast and thank you for doing that. I think we're in about 13 different countries now and I've made it a personal dedication of mine to extend that reach. God's honest truth. I haven't been worried about numbers or, or, or you know, getting more popular or anything like that. But recently my coach has inspired me to go ahead and continue, you know, trying to elevate this program along with my other program, The Unfiltered Experience, which I almost actually said that tonight when I was doing the intro. I don't know if you caught that, but I almost said The Unfiltered Experience, which is my Friday night show that I do with Scott Goyette. So thank you guys for being here. And as always, if you have a topic or a guest that you'd like to see here on the show, feel free to message me on social media. I know you guys follow me on social. Let me know like, hey, I just saw this guy on another show or I listened to this other person on a podcast or hey, Chris, I'd love for you to talk about the subject because I'm here doing this with you and together we can learn and elevate ourselves. I'm not the, I don't claim to sit there and know everything. And I'm a, I'm an educate. I'm a, I'm a person that likes to be educated as well as you guys. So we're happening. We're having happen this. We're having this happen for us and not to us. So thank you guys. I apologize. Had a little bit of an accident today and kind of bumped my head, uh, doing some four wheeling today. I know I'm not supposed to be doing that with my back and everything, but uh, a little accident happened, but we're all okay. And, uh, kind of knocked myself in the head a little bit. So, um, if I start mumbling or, or talking in circles, you guys know that I'm going to just be totally awful. fine, fine with that. Um, and as always, I just want to give this little shout out. The show is sponsored by the folks at Help Heal Humanity. I'm on the board of directors for helphealhumanity.org. Go check it out. The reason why I'm involved with this organization is because the CEO and the founder, Serena Buffalino, is just a phenomenal human being. She has dedicated her life to actually help to help heal humanity. And she has gone to the country of Haiti and we built a school there for uh, for the hardest hit people, the hardest hits kids. So we actually send kids to school. Not only do we send them to school, we actually feed them three times a week, which if you've seen on the news recently, Haiti has gone through so much stuff with the, with the earthquakes and everything else and then the gang violence and everything. But still, as our commitment, we are still sending these kids to school and giving them an education and giving them opportunity to, to rise above in life and not have to repeat a lot of the generational stuff that their parents have had to uh, go through. We want them to have a chance to have a brighter and better future. And we can do that with your help. You know, whether you want to sponsor a kid, whether you want to donate, my request of you, since we don't do any commercials, we don't do any ads in here. I don't even advertise anything of mine because I just want to give you the guys the straight content. When you get value out of this, please do what you can. Go there and donate 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it might be, sponsor a child, help us uh, help heal humanity as the value you get out of the show every single week, 200 episodes. When you think about it, if you've been watching this and if you've been applying at least one tip, and there's always lots of tips, 
when you're applying just one tip out of 200 episodes, that's 200 tips. Can you imagine how different your life would be? And that there was free of charge. So what I ask for you guys, and you guys do this, you send me the screenshot on your phone saying, hey, Chris, I did what I could. I sent you 20, I sent 25 bucks to the organization. Thank you for doing that. And here's a little uh, added bonus that I'm doing recently. When anybody donates $200 or more, they get an hour of my coaching time uh, as on top of that. So not only do you get to help heal humanity, you get a tax deductible donation. You're helping an amazing organization. Plus, when $200 is donated or more, you get an hour of my time. And no better way of doing that here in the beginning of the year to make sure that you have a kick-ass, unstoppable year. It's my gift back to you. So feel free just to go ahead and send me a screenshot of that. We'll schedule the time and we'll make it happen. We'll take one specific problem or issue or area of concern that you have going on and we'll dive deep on that. We'll get to the root of what's causing the upset or the, the, the disconnect and we'll get you on a path to really um, being successful in everything that you're going for. So thank you guys for allowing me to share that with you because it's something that's important and near and dear to my heart. So again, for you guys listening on the podcast, www.helphealhumanity.org. And a few of you have been asking recently, is there any opportunity for me to get involved with the organization, which I think is beautiful. Thank you very much. Um, there is. So if you go to that website and you go to the volunteer tab, if you have a desire to even be on the board of directors, we're expanding right now. We've uh, just hired on two brand new presidents, uh, both here in the USA and Canada. So we are super excited about being able to bring some new programs, both to the States and to Canada and also Haiti. We've been in uh, Cambodia and we've also been in Spain. Um, so we can do that with your help. So thank you guys for allowing me to share that with you. And uh, we got Jacqueline Rose in the house. What's up, Jacqueline? She says, hey, Christopher, have a good show and a good night. Well, it's not the ending. It's just the beginning, Jacqueline Rose. So thank you for being here and supporting us. And I'm excited for the conversation we're going to be have tonight, having tonight because if you saw the show title, um, Imposter Syndrome, you know, like when you think about that, I know personally I've had challenges with that early on in my coaching career, my speaking career, and even in my, my corporate career. Of, of being concerned about how I was showing up and was I worthy to be uh, of, of, the, of having those titles and those responsibilities and those budgetary uh, budgetary responsibilities as well. And you, sometimes you just don't feel like you fit in, you don't feel like you belong. And that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight. So be sure to take notes and I always, like I said before, ask us questions because this is an opportunity for you to walk away with some tangible tasks and strategies. You write them down and then you go apply them and then you come back and tell me what was the success or what was the outcome of that particular uh, opportunity for you. And that way we can actually grow and learn together and I can help support you with that. So thank you for allowing me for to do that. And uh, the person I've got on the show tonight, uh, she's a fellow executive mindset coach and we're going to be diving deep into the imposter syndrome. So please welcome to the show, Miss Karen Gray or Coach Karen Gray. What's going on, Coach Karen Gray? How are you? Uh, hey, Chris. So I am doing awesome. I am so excited to be on podcast number 200. Like, congratulations. That's huge. Thank you. A lot of podcasts don't get past 10. Yeah. So 200's a huge feat if anybody is in the podcast world. Um, I'm just so impressed with everything, with what you're doing with Heal um, Humanity. I mean, just like, oh my gosh, all of thank this. You. It's so good. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of this. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this. And this is a beautiful conversation. Um, you and I were talking backstage just before we got started on this and the ability to impact so many people that want to go out there and do something, but they're so yeah. scared of what people are going to perceive them to be. They have that inner insecurity, like, okay, how am I going to show up? And, and do I deserve to be here and, and stuff like that? What inspires you the most about talking about imposter syndrome? Was this something that you struggled with early on in your life? Let's, let's, let's kind of dig into that. Yeah. Um, I think for most coaches, we end up teaching around the things that have been our journey and that yeah. we've learned. And that's definitely my case, my situation. Um, I was adopted when I was born. Well, I was a month old, but um, my adoption journey really set me on a path when I realized that that was the case, that I was adopted, set me on a path of feeling like I had to be good enough so that I didn't get rejected again. And that, you know, if anyone is, has an adoption or those rejection, you don't have to be adopted to feel rejected, but that was my, my journey. Um, it really created a lot of bad habits where I just um, bent over backwards to try to please, always felt like I had to be overachieving. So I was super high achieving, um, really that almost OCD trying to be perfect. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we all know that's impossible to achieve, but yeah, it just set me out on this journey of wanting to be good enough that whatever I was never felt like it was enough. And so step into any room and I always felt like 
people were judging me because I was judging myself, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of where it starts. So yeah, it's definitely my journey and been something that took some intentional coaching, took a lot of work. Um, and I don't know that we ever really arrive um, at a place of complete healing. I think it, mm -hmm. we're human. So mm -hmm. there are things that can trigger that. And as we were talking offline, I was at an event this weekend or this, I feel like it's Monday, but today's <laughs> Tuesday. So the last two days I've been at an amazing mastermind and it popped up again because I was in a room, you know, when you're, when you're striving and achieving to be better, you want to, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. You want to be in a room that challenges yes. you and motivates you to achieve more. And man, I was surrounded by some amazing people sitting across the table, having that conversation with people that were just doing things blew my mind, working with the Vatican, wow. um, working with United Nations, um, just amazing things. And so, of course, you know, the imposter gremlin raises his ugly head and we can talk, you know, tonight about kind of my evolution through those thoughts and how, how did I work through those, if you'd like, but yeah, it's sure. it's a absolute journey, just like all of life. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And there's so many different places to dovetail. That was one of the things I was alluding to you backstage was when you said, you know, that you were adopted. My son, I don't know if I know, you know this. Um, yeah, we you know each other. My son, my son, we adopted him from birth, and mm -hmm. so I've been very concerned about like what his journey is going to be like because his actual biological parents had another kid uh, literally 13 months after he was born, and yeah. unfortunately, the other the other kid. Uh, same parents and everything. The other kid has lots of medical issues. So it's really kind of sad to think that Jackson is so not perfect, but, you know, is such perfect compared to that. And to right. think about what that journey is going to be like for him as he discovers, he knows he's adopted. We've already told him that we yeah. have not told him that he has a brother yet. He's six years old and we're starting to talk about having that conversation mm -hmm. with him. But when was it that you found out that you were adopted and what made you feel like you weren't good enough in that particular situation Were your parents, were your adopted parents not so great or what caused you to have that the distinction to say that I, I need to, I need to be perfect for everybody else and, and not really regard where I'm at and who I am in this place in this world. Yeah. Um, I was six, which is just so ironic. I was six wow. when I found out. Um, and they were great parents. I had a, a fantastic family, adopted family, um, I was the youngest of three. I had two older brothers, so I was pretty spoiled, to be honest. Like I, I almost had three dads that just really doted on me and spoiled me and kept me out of trouble. Um, were they adopted as well? No, nope, they were biological, but my okay. mom um, had a lot of health issues. My uh, adopted mom had a lot of health issues with the second pregnancy and couldn't have any more. Mm. And so um, they were 13 and 15 years older than me, so they waited quite a while, about 10 years to, um, to adopt. They went through the process and then finally got me. Um, I was a month old when they got me and wow. I was just, um, I was very blessed in that regard, but there was something once I knew, um, cause you know, as kids do, they ask the questions, you know, about, uh, I had an aunt that was having a baby. So I started asking about me, was I in your dummy? And, that's how the conversation came about. And she was very loving that I wasn't born in her tummy. I came from her heart and that another mommy had me and, you know, all of those things trying to help a six-year-old understand oh, yeah. a very complicated situation. Um, but somehow in my brain, I felt like because they said we chose you, which is meant in a, such a loving way. But somehow my little brain associated, if you chose me, that means someone else didn't. Oh, and snap. I did not think about that. That is something that for so many adoptees that I've talked to, we associate the fact that we were up to be chosen with the fact that the person who should have chosen us did not. So what was wrong with me Ooh. that they did not want me? Um, as a child, or it, it doesn't matter how old you are, you really, that connection with the, the birth mother at, at, during, you know, in vitro is so irreplaceable. Right. It truly is. It's a primal relationship that no matter how amazing the other parents are, there's still that connection somehow, some way. Now, each person is 
individual and unique. They all we all process it differently, but for the majority of adopted people, there is a question mark somehow, some way in our psyche. What did I do wrong? Mm. So, what, so advice, what, what advice would you have for somebody like myself being a parent in navigating mm -hmm. that so it's not as much of a challenge for, for my son, if you don't mind me asking that? I, I think really having those open conversations and allowing it to be a safe environment to say, if you know the situation, you know, that they perhaps weren't in a position to, but how does that make you feel? You know, hearing that, how do you feel about that? Right. Um, as they're able to articulate it and letting kids know that there was nothing you did wrong. The thing that has helped me heal the most was to feel that that was a choice of love and an act of love for me. Yeah. So knowing that my mother chose life over an abortion, chose adoption over trying to keep me and put me in a bad situation with her family because it wouldn't have been a good environment. Um, hearing those things that she made a good choice for me was probably the most beneficial. Gotcha. So, Thank you for sharing that with me. So hearing that we were, we were chosen in a different way, like what they chose, they sacrificed what they wanted to give me the best choice. Love that. And what part did empathy and forgiveness have to play in your role? Because I do have friends of mine that mm -hmm. have adopted kids and they've talked about that whole process of finding out their biological parents. Yeah. What was that like for you? And, and what role did empathy and forgiveness play in your healing process and in the overall imposter syndrome kind of feeling? Um, strange enough for me, I was never angry about um, my mom giving me up. I was never angry at her. I was never angry at my um biological father, but I was angry at my adopted parents because I Ooh. felt like somehow, some way they were keeping me from her because they didn't have information. They didn't know. So somehow in my little kid brain, I thought they did know, but they were hiding it. Um, so I didn't see the information they had until I was much older. So really my forgiveness had to come in the form of to my adopted parents, not my biological which seems maybe weird. Maybe not everybody has that experience, but you know how kids, we hurt the ones we're closest to. Yeah. I took it out on them. And I think maybe deep down, I felt like if I was mad at my bio mom, she wouldn't want me. So I couldn't be mad at her. I had to be mad at the people who were safe. Maybe mm. that's what happened. Um, I haven't really processed that thought, but could be. Um, but forgiveness and empathy, I think because of the pain that I went through as an adoptee, the struggles I went through as a young woman going through that people pleasing and feeling unworthy, feeling not valuable. I have a tremendous amount of empathy for anyone that's going through those abandonment issues or adoption. I mean, I just have such a heart for people in pain um, that I see it through a different type of lens, even that it's just, um, almost like an outside experience, right? I can see sure. it from a 360 view because of being a coach on this end and then being in the shoes and then also having in reunion with my birth mom, I found my birth family, hearing it from her perspective, I can see all sides of that. Right. And that, that's, a, that's beautiful. And thank you again for sharing that with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Just from my own selfish standpoint of being a host and, and dealing with my son. We, we've told him it's open. He actually have a picture of his bio parents mm -hmm. in his room. And one time he said, you know, who are those people? And we kind of explained it to him and talked about, you know, tummy mommy and all the different things. And so yeah. far he seems, he seems to understand it and grasp it. And we don't want to keep any secrets. And we actually send pictures to the, to the, uh, to the original, to the, uh, Original birth parents, family. birth family. Sorry. Yeah. I did get bumped on the head today. That's okay. um, <laughs> uh, literally. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. But when you think about in that process mm -hmm. of, of trying to be the people pleaser, what was the significant situation in your in your mind where you kind of realized the fact that you weren't honoring your true, your true self and you were trying to go out there and, and, and please for all the people uh, for all the wrong reasons? Um, I think it was an evolution because I really, because it, my journey was so painful, I focused on trying to fix other people. Yeah. And so I chose very poor relationships um, for 
men in my life. So husbands that were not healthy relationships, they were very broken and I was trying to fix them rather than working on my own pain. Mm -hmm. So I, I went about it the wrong way, but fast forward to a healthier version of me when, once I hit my late thirties and really began to see the self-sabotage that it really was. Cause that's the truth. I was, I was choosing things that were very damaged to keep myself from potentially being broken. I could walk away from that and not feel bad. Um, lots of backstory there that we won't go into now, but really in the essence of time, the, um, sorry, I got like emotionally in that and totally forgot my train of thought because it's really deep. Um, oh, yeah. So today, looking back, I see that I wanted to be approved to avoid rejection, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing was about avoiding being rejected again, because that was my greatest fear. And where our fear lies, that's where we put our guard up. Yes. And that's where, you know, the walls come up, the armor coat goes on, and we begin to make choices that aren't really in alignment with who we were created to be. And when I saw how unhealthy that was and who it was keeping out and how I was missing out on so much, including mm -hmm. stepping into opportunities that I really wanted to pursue because I was scared, right? I didn't yeah. want to fail. I didn't want to feel rejected. And so um, I didn't pursue a college degree because I didn't feel like I was worthy of having one. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I wanted to be a nurse so bad. And I found every excuse to not be one, including getting pregnant really young. Oh, wow. So almost like duplicating my mom's um, cycle. Like it just perpetuated in my life. It, I really fulfilled the prophecy that she had started. So um, it goes really deep. And that's just my journey. Everybody has a different one. But I kept trying to almost like heal my wounds through my new life, you know, as an adult. And it just was a circle of, sabot of sabotage that further per perpetuated. I can't talk either today. <laughs> that further perpetuated my feelings of, of being invaluable, unvaluable, unworthy. And in so many moments, I saw that I'm called to do different. I'm called to be more than what I'm really stepping into. And there was like this veil of um, everything I wanted was on the other side, like a wall almost. Right. Here I am living in this fear. Everything I want's over there. I can see it. I know what it is. I had a really good vision um, and a calling. I really felt like I have a servant's heart that's my calling is to serve, but I was so afraid to be seen because mm. what if someone didn't like it? Oh, you and I are so the same. What you're saying here <laughs> is totally, totally resonate with my heart and soul. Mm. I, had, I had a lot of those situations. I wasn't personally adopted out, but my mom said she was going to place me for adoption when I was born. She said, you know, she wow. told me early on in my life, she says, you know, I really shouldn't have ever been a mother. And I was like, well, how come you have my sister? You know, you have my sister who is nine years older than me. And, uh, you know, she goes, I was going to place you for adoption. And she says, you know, and I said, why didn't you? And she says, well, when you're born, the nurse, you know, said, do you want to see him? And she goes, I thought about it for a second and I didn't think I would. But, you know, I said, sure, why not? And I figured she goes, I figured I was just going to see you. And then that was going to be it. And I was going to place you for adoption. At the at that time, she was on welfare and food stamps and she was living in a cockroach infested wow. house in, in, in South Los Angeles. I mean, just all the negative things. And she at the time when I was born, she was only 26 years old. And up mm. until that point, she had such a horrific life pretty much that uh, she looked at me and she decided, she goes, hey, you know what? Uh, it's just you and me, kid, and decided to keep me in the God's honest truth, which is kind of funny when you think about meaning and purpose in life. The title of my book that's coming out later this year is It's Just You and Me, Kid. And so uh, I think about, I think about you know, my childhood and, and the abandonment issues that I faced as well because my mm -hmm. biological father wasn't there. He was married and had a family of his own, so I never had that male influence in my life. My sister had a different father, um, and so she would go and, and spend time with him and come back and talk about how great it was. Meanwhile, I was enduring the physical, emotional, and the, and the, and the psychic abuse, if you will, yeah. a spiritual abuse. And ultimately, I, I grew up to be that people pleaser, just like you. It was like, as long as I can keep people laughing, as long as I can keep people mm -hmm. thinking, as long as I can out 
I'll, I'll beat out whatever it is that they expect. Then I'll be approved yeah. and I'll be valuable. And all I ever wanted all my life was to feel significant, to feel included. That's one of the things that I've broken through in my coaching is like, what's the thing that if you do it can really make somebody feel whole and complete? I mean, love is a part of it and everything else. But I'm like, if you make feel somebody feel significant, mm -hmm. then that's pretty incredible. I never felt significant. I was abused by kids at my school. I was abused by kids on the block. Literally had my ass handed to me every single place where I went. And it wasn't until much later in life after a lot of drugs and a lot of alcohol and a lot of you know, womanizing and things of that nature yeah. that I finally started to get real with myself in my mid thirties and like, Oh, wow. You know, I pretended to be somebody else that I'm not in order to gain this validation, but am I really gaining it if I'm not being truly who I am? And wow. so through that process of my own imposter syndrome, when I became, when I started becoming a speaker, a professional speaker, I put on the suit and tie and I'm like, okay, if I go do what everything everybody else is doing, I'm going to get those applause, right? I'm going to get out there and mm -hmm. get that validation. Yeah. And I, it was pretty soon, you know, I did, did that type of speaking for about five or six years. And I came off stage one day and I was like, God, I just felt disgusting. You know, I got the applause and I got everything else, but I felt like I'm not that person. I'm an, I'm a, I'm an imposter. I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not to get this validation so I mm -hmm. could fit in because I never felt like I fit in anywhere. And it was that time back in 2013 where I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm going to go and I joined a mastermind. Funny you mentioned mastermind. I joined a mastermind. I got around people who were brighter and smarter than me because up until that Absolutely. point, as long as I was the brightest and smartest person in the room, everybody needed to come and everybody needed Chris. And what's your advice, Chris? And I felt, mm -hmm. ho, ho, ho. And then I read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was like, okay, you're like the sum of the five people you're around. I'm like, I'm not hanging around anybody who's who's challenging me and, and making me grow and causing me to question some of these things in my life. Yeah. So I joined this mastermind. I said, you know, yeah. I'm a rocker, I'm a biker. I want to go out there and be this, this no excuse coach. And I finally got around people who said, yes, do that. You know, because until you walk in that space of really owning who you truly are, you're going to be comfortably miserable for the rest of your life. And that was like the transition point for me. So talk about the transition point for you where you like really just became aware, like I can't do this anymore. You hit rock bottom of, of people pleasing and everything else. What was that experience like for you in that, that epiphany process? Um, so the, the reality, I, I joke and say I've been married like 18 times because that you get a, a laugh, right? That's not true, but it sounds so ridiculous that it's way better than the truth. So I had been married three times and was facing a divorce. I was in the middle of a divorce and um, I got married at 16 and then at 21, 20, 16, 20. And then, um, oh my gosh, I don't even know how old I was, like 12 years later. And I was at the end of a very, very painful divorce that had been just riddled with a lot of legalism with religion. Oh, wow. And so I was facing a point where I felt like God didn't even love me because I wasn't, you know, being a dutiful wife. And I was at a very, very low point and had a, a six month old baby and a two and a half year old special needs baby and a teenage daughter and an older son that was in the middle of drugs and jail and a lot of issues. It was a very hard, dark time. Wow. I would imagine so. And I was a financial advisor. The company I had worked for closed the, the uh, credit union I'd worked for had closed their branch. So I was an independent financial advisor working on commission with this story. And um, my ex-husband, soon to be ex-husband in the middle of all that was on the road and in a different life. And so it was just me, me and the kids. And I was ready to check out. I just didn't want to be here. And had it not been for my children, maybe I would have, I don't know. But I reached a point where in a conversation with me and God, I said, I can't do this. And I heard you're not meant to. Ooh, I am. You listen to the whisper. And in that moment of just sheer desperation, I knew that I was trying to hold on so tight that I was not even listening. I wasn't following my purpose. I wasn't walking in the path that I should. Um, I was doing everything I could to try to control the armor. Yeah. And so totally. I just feel like I just let go. And it was just like, okay, I can't, I can't fight this anymore. I can't be this anymore. I can't be 
this dutiful, whatever it is that I'm supposed to do, I just have to be me. I'm someone that loves people. I'm someone that I, I love God. I'm just this person who is just filled with love. And at that point in my life, I was filled with so much anger and rage. And, um, I was just so unhappy. And when in that moment, when I let that go, it was like, every Fort Knox wall I had around me began to just disappear and people, my husband now began to come into my life in ways that I didn't expect. Friends began to surround me. And it was like, I had literally been keeping everybody out that God was trying to bring to me. And when that happened, it was like, okay, I know that I'm here for more. What is that? And I just began seeking that. And as a financial advisor, the part about my job that I loved was working with the women and counseling them and helping them and walking them through things. That was my journey. And I began to see those conversations were my favorite part of the job. So I just began to do more of that. And then I was coaching pageant girls. My daughter was in pageants, was getting into that. And I started coaching pageant girls. And everything began leading me down, like coaching and my passion found me mm-hmm. when I just quit fighting and trying to fight the current. You know, I was trying to swim uphill, or as uh, Abraham Hicks says, you know, I was trying to um, paddle my boat up the, um, up the river instead of just going with the flow. Right. And so I just let go and went with the flow and um, it brought me to my destiny I truly believe that it did, that God just showed up and held me in his arms and carried me down this path. And when I did that, everything began like the the layers that I had on this really tight onion began mm. to just slowly peel back. And in each step, there was some pain, there was some processing, but yeah. it has been a 12 year evolution to me. Well, I'm so glad that you went through that process. And I have a, I have a couple of questions that are popping into my brain right now. Yeah. But one of the things that I, that I love telling people and co- telling my coaching clients is, you know, so many times we go through these adversarial situations. I mean, I was mm-hmm. homeless at the age of uh, 13 years old, dropped out of the seventh grade, you know, lived in the backseat of a station wagon with 18 cats and two dogs and my mother with very psychological disorders. Um, and, wow. you know, there's so much pain and anguish and, and abandonment and all that other stuff that happened in my life that ultimately, you know, I felt like life was happening to me. Like, why does this yeah. keep happening to me? Why does this keep happening to me? What did I do? What, did I, what, who have I pissed off? You know, when is it going to be my turn and everything else? Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until, you know, I started to shift my perspective a little bit and reading these personal development books and listening to Tony Robbins and things of that nature. And somebody invited me to sit there and think like, what if life is happening for you and not mm-hmm. to you? And mm-hmm. that everything that's happened up until this point is preparing you for what's next. That statement and, and how I've impacted people with just that little bit has been miraculous. Talk to me about what your thoughts are on that, on that and how we can help people heal yeah. in their own particular journey, because so many times that we don't feel like we deserve it or we have to earn our worthiness and everything mm-hmm. else. But right now, wherever we're at in our journey, we do deserve love and we will find love as long as we start to surrender some of that stuff. So talk about how we can shift our perspectives a little bit and kind of get in that better lane of life. Yeah. So I love that you said that because that is exactly it was the the foundation of a speech I did, and then that speech turned into a podcast. Nice. And so my podcast is called Rock Movers, and it's literally about in life we carry these heavy bags and we collect rocks al- along the way, right? Those heavy things that someone else has put upon us. Life was happening to me. So here's this anger. I'm angry because I was abused. I was I'm angry because I was adopted. All of these things happen to me and I carry that around. But what if I get to say, no, this happened for me and this rock that I'm saying is anger. What if this is really a lesson for empathy? Okay, I'm going to carry empathy in my rock and I'm going to lay down the anger. And you get to do that with every single thing that you're carrying that you felt was thrust upon you. And now what you are carrying is now this beautiful path that you've paved for the future that you want and the people coming behind you that you're going to help. Yes. And so we're moving those rocks. And I feel like that's what I got to do. And now I can see how my adoption made me an empathetic coach. My journey gave me two families and how 
the love that I have in my heart for both families and how both of them have made me who I am today. And in that moment in the mastermind that I mentioned, um, sitting there feeling like I have nothing to offer this table of brilliant minds, I knew that no one at this table could be Karen Gray and serve the people that Karen Gray was born to serve, to fulfill the mission that I was born to fulfill. Whatever that is, I just have to walk in trust and faith and obedience that I'm here for a purpose. And I know that I know that we all are, not just Mm. me, but you and everyone on the earth is here for a purpose and a plan. Your biological existence may not have been planned by the people that should have planned it in our earthly minds. But that just means that God had a bigger, this is what somebody told me, God had a bigger purpose that he put two people together who didn't intend to have a baby, created you so that you could bust through every door to be here. That's how bad your soul wanted to be here on this earth. Mic drop right there. There's the mic. Boom. Mic drop. That is worth all the value and the time in this particular uh, conversation. Karen, I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's so massively important. That's the way I look at things. It's like, you know, what, 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 to ha- what had to conspire to bring us to this particular right. moment, right? And I talk to people like they're at their wits end. I'm like, what if everything was preparing you for what's next, mm-hmm. you know, what to hang on to? And when I, we're talking about imposter syndrome, one of the things that I thought about in my life was, you know, fake it till you make it. We've heard that term, you know, fake it till you make it. I transitioned that because I don't like faking things. And I, it worked for me for a, a certain amount of time. It's like, okay, if I want to act like this person, I'm now I switched it to act as if, like, if I want to be a leader in my organization, mm-hmm. act as if I'm, though I'm a leader, you know, start studying leadership. What was a leader person wake up in the morning and do? And I, and that really helped me transition out of that imposter syndrome type of thing. What advice do you have for people in, in their pursuit? They want to, they want to attain a particular position or, or career or, or entrepreneurial situation or whatever it might be. What advice do you have for somebody to go into something that they feel completely insecure about, but in order they want to, to attain it and be as successful as possible, what are yeah. some steps that you guide your clients through in those particular situations? I think that our brains are so amazing. They do not know, our subconscious does not know the difference between what we tell it and reality. Amen. So what if I said, what would she feel like if she, this person that I want to be, was me? And she had already achieved those things. So in this moment, what would it feel like to be that million dollar person on the other side of the table that I was admiring, right? Or I want to have this multi-billion dollar coaching industry business. How would that feel? What if I began to show up as her and just make decisions in her mind that this is already done? Because if that's on my heart to do, What if that's my destiny? What if? What if that was my Mm. calling? How would that feel? And so just to begin to step into those possibilities and use our visioning skills and our beautiful reticular activating system to control all of that. Mm. We have all the pieces that we need. And what if the possibilities that are on your mind and in your heart are possible? I love that. I love that. Just I tell people the about way. the power, the power of perhaps, like mm. perhaps, like is perhaps a possibility, you know, like, oh, I suck at this. And I, I advise my clients and I advise people overall, like two words to eliminate from your vocabulary are always and never. Like mm. I always screw it up or I never do things right. You know, and we take away some of those self-defeating conversations that we have with inside our own brains. And we think about, you know, how would I advise people? I invite them to think like, how would you speak to the person that you love the most? What would you say right. to support them and nurture them? So oftentimes we're so hard on ourselves and we hold ourselves accountable and, and for things that we didn't even know any better about. I mean, when you think about the, the, the conditioning process that happens in our life, and I love this, I studied this for a while. Most of what makes us who we are happens between that, that period of mm-hmm. zero and five, right? And I love that you right. talked about the RAS system. I, I advise that as well. But, you know, thinking about that zero to five stage, and then that's who we become. And then we go throughout our entire life finding that validation because that's where our activation system is looking like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Okay, I'm going to be a piece of, oh, I always suck at relationships. I guess I'm always going to suck at relationships. And we got to snap that and change our perspective and slowly slowly start to wind out of that. Talk to us about the importance of who it is that we're hanging around. You know, so oftentimes we're hanging around the people it's comfortable and it's safe and everything. But what are your your steps and your strategies for when you're working with clients to really consider who they're hanging around with and to to shift that 
um, dynamics so that they're hanging around people who are brighter and smarter than they are. I think it's it's absolutely critical. I, I believe that 100% to be super careful with the people who you put in your front row. So imagine this is your play and the people in your front row are your biggest supporters, your biggest influencers, those, you know, those five people, as they say. Um, what is it about their life that impacts yours in a positive way? What is it about their life that brings joy, that feeds your energy, that makes you a better human, that challenges you to fulfill the things that are on your heart? And if you can't answer that in a way that you desire, if they're draining your energy, they're a vampire energy or a energy vampire, um, you can love them and release them from that front row, right? So if they're family and they need to stay involved, great. We control how much we see them yes. because you get one life. You get one shot at this. You live every day, but that life is not guaranteed. And so how do you want to show up? Where do you want to show up and who's supporting you to do that? You get to be very intentional with love to say, these are the people I choose to be around. Yes. Um, and I love what you said just a second ago about the, the things, you know, the always and never. I love using the phrase and still. Yeah. Oh, I love that one. I was, um, I've been married three times and still I'm here. Yeah. I've been done. I failed five times and still I persist. I did all of that. And still I'm freaking here and killing it. Yeah. I love I that. I did all of that and I'm still doing this. And so that all, cause my coach often says, you know, don't, don't go there. Right. Don't allow that change your language. What we say is so important, so critically important. And I think we, we work with the same person. And so she's kicking our butts in so many different Ooh. ways <laughs> about just being our own best, um, best cheerleader, right? I call that a champion. Who are you championing? And if you're not championing yourself first, you're missing a big opportunity. But I can do all of that, sit with all of that and recognize that doesn't serve me. So that's how I used to be, right? I used to think those things and still I got here. So if yeah. I didn't have all of that or I don't have all of that in my future, what the heck can I accomplish? Not carrying Amen. all those rocks. So I, I got here and still I got here carrying all those rocks. So what can I accomplish when I'm carrying the lessons and thinking this way and being my own champion? and surrounding myself with people who challenge me and push me to be my best self, not be someone else, not be them, be my best version of myself. Because again, there's only one me. Yes. I'm the only one that can fulfill this destiny, this life, this calling. Mm -hmm. Who do so, I need to be that? Yeah. And you're, and, and, and you're also robbing people of that experience to have the true Karen or the true Christopher. You know, when I was in there pretending to be somebody I wasn't, I was miserable and I was robbing people of that experience to, to see who Chris really is and the no excuses coach and the, and the, the zaniness and the rocker and right. everything else. And just like bringing my unique freak flag to the show. I was robbing people of that experience. I was robbing myself of that experience. Yeah, and, uh, and I think about the fact, like you, we were talking about phrases here. Another one that I love is up until now. So when mm -hmm. you sit there and say, I was doing that up until now, like here's a, here's a definitive breakoff point. I'm no longer going to tolerate that. And I love right. that you brought that up because I actually the have line my, in the sand. Yeah. I have people in the, in my, in my, who work with me as, as coaching clients. I have them just simple, a very simple version. I said, write down the five people you're around the most, write down their names and then right next to them, constructive or destructive. Are they constructive? They're asking, are they, mm -hmm. are they suggesting you go quit your job and start your entrepreneurial business? Are they suggesting you go do, you know, what's crazy and not safe and certain and everything else? And then by by doing that, they find out there's two or three people that are kind of destructive in their life and they start replacing those. They can still love them from a distance, like you said, right. but they replace those people. And it's amazing what can happen when they're advocating for you to go take those chances and, and take those risks. You know, um, Sally has always recommended the, one of the videos that has pound for pound, for pound dollar for dollar impact in my life. I don't know if she's had you watch this was Jump by Steve Harvey. And mm -hmm. the fact that, you know, that minute and 30 second video talks about, you know, we always want to see what everybody else is doing. We, oh, those people are doing this. Those people are doing this. You know, they jumped and their parachute opened. He goes, but if you don't jump, your parachute never opens. Right. And to think about that, how we hold ourselves back. 
uh, it's pretty incredible. One thing I want to I want to talk about here is I went on your website and I want I want you to kind of walk us through this. I love your what I, I believe is called your genius model. I, I know because yes. I I actually did one as well. Um, yeah. So I was kind of I was kind of excited to see this. Um, so I want to bring this up on the screen here for a second. If I can get my um, if I can get my um, where is it? They changed the gizmo on me. That's weird. Um, they changed it on I me. Love, I love I love tech updates. They're so helpful. I know they just they just said oh we did all these we did all these updates so um, explain for people who are watching this unfortunately you guys on the podcast are gonna have to check this out on the video cast um, the link to the video cast is in the show notes on the podcast but talk to us about what this means and how you walk your your clients through your success strategy as a as a mindset coach yeah so we know that everything in our life is so intricately entwined how we do every how we do anything is how we do everything and that's how we show up. So when I take on a client or when walking through it, the ultimate goal is we want to transcend. But the three pillars, if you take an opportunity to rediscover what you're truly here to do and you align that with your purpose, then that's going to impact your legacy faith in your relationships. Yes. And when you're aligned and you connect that to your passion, that's going to have an impact. You're going to make an impact in the world. It's going to allow you certain freedoms to be yourself. And it's going to impact your health and well-being because you're going to decrease your stress. You're going to have and embrace a healthier lifestyle. And then when you think about the things that you're rediscovering about yourself, the things that you know that you know that you know you are, and you connect that to what's possible with your potential. Now that's when you can actually achieve those success goals, change your mindset and have the influence. And that, you know, then again, circular impacts your legacy, faith and relationships, helps you have an impact, helps you have the freedom that you desire when you're living in your truth. And that's when you truly transcend to your best life love that i'm i absolutely dig that because uh quite honestly i think you uh i can sit there and i'll show this let me see if i can bring it up for you real quick um where is mine i will share this with you since we're sharing can't wait to see yours yes yeah, so um here is mine share screen let's see if we can find that quicker than i did before there it is there we go. Now I know how to do it. So yeah, this is mine. Like my, my sweet spot is the kick-ass guide to life. It's like that's mm. you know living that true authentic self. Mm -hmm. And I find it in the path, in the purpose, the mindset mastery, and the no excuses. Right? You know, I'm the no excuses coach. And so when you think about that, when you have that mindset mastery, you have that commitment. You're committed to the results. You're committed to having passion when you have the results. Then you have the passion that supports the back of it. Right. And then you have fulfillment. So then you're, you're you're the commitment's there because you're doing it for authentic reasons. It's your right. big why, if you will. And the same thing over here with the the purpose and the accountability certainty significance and legacy when you are holding yourself accountable and you have that going mm. on you feel that certainty you have that significance and you're building that legacy to to help uh support that accountability because if you're putting the ladder up against the wrong wall you right. might be going up but you're going up against you're going up for the wrong goal so and then good. finally with, with the responsibility you have the responsibility that you're no longer going to be a victim you're going to be a victor and by having that, that discipline in your life, you ultimately have integrity to go back to sit there and say, I have this no excuses life. I have this kick-ass guide to life. So much in the same way, it's like walking through mm -hmm. people to shift their perspectives. As a coach um, in what you do and in, in the clients you work with, talk to us about uh, a couple of success stories that you have had with recent clients as you walked them through your genius model, if you will. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, you're gonna put me on the spot here. Whew. Um... So two people come to mind initially, and one of them had gone through a transition with a career change and really had an opportunity from that to recreate herself. And one of her biggest obstacles was that, that purpose and worth um, missing puzzle piece. And so walking her through really rediscovering what it was because she had gone into a specific industry that um, made sense based on her talents, things that she was good at. But what through the discovery process we learned was that really wasn't where her passion was. And when we walked through from that point, from the passion point of really who are you here to be as a human being rather than a human doing, 
because you're great at numbers. You can do accounting, but you're a human being. What are you here to be? Who are you here to be? That then absolutely just scripted the rest of that because we were able to align that to her faith and connect that to what the calling was that she really felt on her heart, which was a total different direction. Nice. And so when you walk through that and look at, okay, this is who I'm here to be. What does that mean for my legacy? How does that impact my faith? How does that impact my relationships? How does that impact the influence I can have? Then what was so cloudy before became this crystal clear path that she could now look at and say with 100% certainty, this is my future. Now I just need to find the job that aligns with this. But now the path is clear and she could walk into those interviews with like total confidence because she knew this is where she was supposed to be. So it changed everything about her job interviews, her resume, um, everything about her life and who she chose to partner with is now changing because now she has different standards for herself. So it's just, it's a beautiful unveiling of that onion, which is really a beautiful rose in the, in the reality. Um, but with all of these layers, I don't know if you saw Shrek, you know, oh, yeah. people, uh, ogres have, uh, ogres like an onion, they have layers. Um, we're like an, you know, an onion. We have all these layers and underneath is this beautiful flower, like a lotus flower that's just ever blooming and trying to get through all the mud, <laughs> you know, so um, it was a, a great journey. We're still in the evolution of it because we're still working together. But to see that crystal clear purpose come to life and the passion, and now she's able to walk and transcend into that with clarity, with peace, with an effervescence of a calling. Um, that's so beautiful. And that makes me feel like as a coach, that's where I just feel in such alignment that I'm here doing what I'm supposed to do. Ooh, I love that. I love that. I love that. I appreciate you saying that. One of the last questions I want to ask mm. you, because we already been very nearly talking for an hour. I told you this is going to go by pretty fast, It went super fast, uh, super fast. Okay. So I'm the no excuses coach. And I was, I was thinking about, okay, normally I ask my, my guests, like, you know, what's your big, mm -hmm. biggest excuse and how do you overcome it? But I'm keen to ask you this question since you're a fellow coach, when somebody comes to you and says, Karen, I'm doing the best I can. Mm -hmm. What, what's your response with that? Because I've been fascinated for me personally, uh, probably about five or six years ago, I came home from work. I had my successful, successful corporate career and I came home and I was working on some really big projects and I was putting my keys and my stuff up on my dresser. And I actually said out loud, cause I talked to myself out loud not crazy stuff, but I talk to myself out loud because I feel like when I talk out loud, there's some sort of like God's source universe kind of thing mm -hmm. that's answering me back in a way. I don't know what it is, but when I say it out loud and I said out loud, I did the best I could today. And for the first time in my life, you know, in my forties, um, I said, wait, Chris, was that really your best? You know, mm -hmm. as a coach and thinking about it, it just struck me. I heard this little whisper. It's like, was really at your best? And I started digging into that. I'm like, no, that was not my best by any stretch or means. And I started thinking, okay, what would my best look like? What could I have done differently with my best? So when your clients are coming to you going, Karen, I'm doing the best I can. What's your response to get them to realize that there's way more in the tank than they actually can really see from that particular viewpoint in their life? Yeah. Um, I'm not a scripted coach at all. So I don't have like a, a one answer for all things. Good. So depending on the relationship and the, the client, um, my initial thought is, are you Yeah. to just put it back on them? So if they're a client that I can do hardball, you know, really push back on, I would ask them, are you? And just wait, because then they get to sit with that. And then um, I have a couple clients that come to mind that they're not at that place yet. So I would offer back, is this truly enough for the results you want to get? Like and it. that's a yes or no answer, right? That's closed ended, but they have to be honest with themselves and say, yes. Okay. So these are the results you want. Yes. Then tell me why you're not happy with it in this moment. Ooh. And then that uncovers another layer. And so 
there's really, you know, all of these questions, questions are so powerful, but open-ended questions are the most. And really when someone comes back with any kind of resistance or they're trying to explain, why do you feel like you have to justify this? Is it truly the answer you wanted to give me? Mm. And so is this the answer you wanted to hear from yourself? right? Yes, no answers, but these are really hard. Yes, no answers. And then you go back with that open-ended question that really digs into what else could you have done? Right. What, what got in the way of you doing that? Mm -hmm. How would it feel if you had done that? What would you be feeling in this moment? What will you do different next time? Love that. And so just that whole process of walking them down and then also saying there are some days that this feels like all I could do, but sometimes it's just I'm choosing to protect my energy in this moment. So this is what I needed to do to feel safe, to feel um, secure. Right. And to be able to process where I'm at right now. And that truly is enough. And if that's the answer, that's a great answer. Because there's so much importance around protecting our energy. Um, but if I really want to achieve more and I'm just playing safe, playing small, cutting myself short and not fulfilling my calling, that's a totally different conversation. Karen Gray, ladies and gentlemen, I love that. I love the fact that you answered answer, ask those questions because I mean, mm -hmm. oh, there's so much power in questions. You do it with a love, more loving tone than I do. <laughs> um, I, I tend to go dark on people and, and really yeah. qualify what their best is. I, I did I had an example the other day that I was just actually sharing on a podcast earlier. You know, somebody came and they wanted to work with me, and I said, you know, I kind of told them what it was to work with me and everything, and they mm -hmm. kind of said, wow, you know, that's that's quite a lot. And I said, oh, I said, well, let's just have a little fun with this. I said, if I asked you to go out there and raise ten thousand dollars, let's just say ten thousand dollars. In the next seven days and it can't be illegal immoral or unethical i said would you and they said oh my god chris if i could do that i wouldn't have half my issues that are going on right now and i said okay let's talk about this for a second and i said who's the person that you love the most in your life well my kids and i'm like well what's one of your kids names nathan okay talk to me about nathan what's the, and they explain what nathan's like and everything and i said how old is nathan they said nine and i said okay so i'm gonna go dark here for a second i said but bear with me because i find there's darkness in there like we all have experienced mm -hmm. in our life we've hit uh -huh. rock bottom for something so what my goal is a no excuses coach and people know this when they work with me they like be prepared i'm obviously i'm considerate when what their mental stamp state of mind might be but for the most part i go there because i'm just there to shock them and get them to have that experience without right. actually having to physically have it and i said okay all things being equal i said you're going to walk home and you're going to or you're going to come home tomorrow night and you're going to open the front door and nathan's going to be sitting in a chair but there's going to be a gentleman sitting next to nathan with a nine millimeter gun to his head and he's going to sit there and say, hey, lady, you need to come up with $10,000 in the next seven days. Can't be illegal, immoral, unethical. Otherwise, I'm going to pull the trigger. What do you do? I said, are you going to let your kid die? Like, no. And I said, okay, what would you do? Well, I would sell this and I would sell this and I would ask this for money. And I would, and I said, so what you're saying is you would become resourceful, right? You would find the leverage to become resourceful because all the resources are still there. I just got you to shift in a very dark way how to shift that mindset. But you just, you just told me a second ago you couldn't do it, but now you're telling me you can I said, so let's find some positive leverage in there to realize what your true best is. And like you said, let's talk to us about. So what, what are some opportunities now that you just said that, that you're willing to explore, that you're willing to sacrifice and give up in order for the bigger picture to happen? And, you know, lo and behold, it goes a little bit longer than that. But lo and behold, I've had a pretty high success rate with people sitting there saying, wow, Chris, I never thought of it about that way. And yeah. I said, yeah, I apologize. I have to go. I've had some people, you know, take that very seriously. And I've had to be careful. But for the most part, people go, wow. I never thought about that way. I'm like, that's what I'm here for. I'm going to, I'm not going to be Tony Robbins and have you go through two years of stuff in order to have a kick-ass life. I could pretty much do it in six months to a year. And that's usually when my co my clients work with me. Sometimes it's six months, sometimes it's longer because they just enjoy the fact that I hold their ass accountable and they have no excuses. Like they know they have their own excuses. They come to the table with me. And so they enjoy having that personal accountability. But this conversation tonight, Karen, has been absolutely phenomenal. I appreciate you being here with me. Where can people get a hold of you and to continue this conversation and to walk through that coaching practice with you? Yeah. So I, I love that we have these two different personality of coaching styles. Everybody needs, you know, something very specific. So if they wanted to connect, learn more about me, coachkarengray.com. It's on the screen now. Um, on all social media feeds, you can find me at Coach Karen Gray. So Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, same. And um, I'm just 
really, I'm, I'm getting ready to host a, a new workshop and all about worth, value, money mindset, because those are all so intricately connected. If that's something that resonates with people, would love to support. I'm just all about helping and being a champion for others. That's truly what my calling is now. That's what I get to do with the rest of my life. And I'm so excited about that. I'm excited for it for you and can't wait to see that that success journey for yourself. Thank and it's you. been such a pleasure for having you Thank on the you. show and being able to dig into your mind a little bit about both the adoption. Thank you very much for allowing me that selfish little opportunity there to yeah. understand that. Thank you for those and, questions. Uh, they were great. And those are conversations that need to be had. Yes. Thank you. And I probably hit you up uh, privately about some other ones that I have. But uh, thank you for being here. I'm going to put you backstage. Don't go anywhere because I still want to chit chat with you for a second. But Always. I'm just going to close out the show. Appreciate so, it. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. I apologize. I was so involved in the conversation. I didn't bring up all these uh, these beautiful comments and questions you have going on. We had Anya in the house. She says, hello. Hello, Anya. Thank you for being here. I hope you're having an awesome evening. Uh, Robert says here, because my first wife was who was my first wife who was told she had been adopted when I was dating her. That did not go well. Yeah, it depends on how everything is, is approached. I've had uh, success stories. I've had horrible stories. Uh, I did a bunch of research before we did the adoption route and learned, you know, the caveats and the things that were happening that could happen. So it was very scary, but it's turned out so beautiful already. Jacqueline Rose says, you just got to show up every day, do the best you can, uh, live with no apologies or regrets, make choices each and every day you can live with. Uh, time waits for no man, 100%. Um, Jacqueline also says down here, she says, uh, people are a product of how they were exposed as a child, 100%. And we got to shift those. We got to flip that script if it, if it is. Got Christopher Kaysen in the house. What's up? He says, oh, hi there. What's up, Chris? It's a pleasure to see you. Chris and I are doing some stuff together uh, in another group. So thank you for being here, Chris. I appreciate you. Uh, Robert, you know, I'm always going to get back to your, your conversations. Sometimes he's a little long-winded in his post. So thank you, Robert, for being here. And he says, amen. And that's uh, and I put that up on the screen because it was true, Karen. You were making a huge, huge uh, impact right there. And uh, Robert says here, I am Robert. I may bring the crazy at times, but I do so making it look great fun. Yes, you do, Robert. And I appreciate you being here and always supporting this show and the, the unfiltered experience too. So I appreciate you. Got Ellie Lawton in the house from England. Ellie, go to sleep. It's like three o'clock in the morning there. So thank you, Ellie, for, for tuning in. Uh, people tune in from all over the world. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And let's uh, see if I make uh, missed anything else. Robert says here, thank you both. Appreciate it. Robert also says here, uh, Christopher, this was a great show. It was flowing with so much serenity. Uh, at least this is my take. I appreciate you, brother. Um, and then there's a couple of meows there. I'm not sure what that is about, but uh, is my cat. Oh, my cat is. Oh, there, there's my cat. That's what it is. Yeah. So there's Chloe in the background. She's my associate producer. So ultimately from this conversation, guys, what do you take away from it? You take away from the opportunity is that you are unique. You hear me talk on the show all the time. Fly your freak flag. Be unapologetically who you are. It took me going through a lot of different hardships and heartaches and drugs and alcohol and therapy and, and medications and everything else to finally get to a point in my life where I was like sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do things in my life and if I'm happy, if I happen to suck at them, why not do them being me? You know, everybody else out in the world is taken. Why not just be uniquely Christopher Roush? You know, I had so many people in my life, even the great Les Brown, if you guys know who Les Brown is, I was just telling the story earlier today, Les Brown, famous motivational speaker. Uh, I, I attended one of his speaker trainings here in Los Angeles, California, and I was in my kick-ass thing. It was a little bit different than I am right now. I've, I've simplified it. I used to wear a dress shirt with a tie and have my bandana on, I had jeans and tennis shoes and, and a wallet chain. So I was part rocker, biker, uh, and you know, business professional. So it was like, that's my amalgamation of who I was. And here I was in a room for all these suit and tie speakers, you know, trying to get Les's attention. I was just being me. I wasn't starstruck. I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm here with Les. But ultimately he pulled me out into the lobby of the Sheraton Gateway Hotel after hearing me speak, you know, during his speaker training camp. He says, Chris, I can put you on stages. You're an amazing speaker. You have an incredible story. You're engaging, you're charismatic, you're passionate, you're everything. He goes, but I can't do this. And he's like looking me up and down the way I look, you know, I definitely stood out. And it was kind of awkward for me at that point. That was when I was really first starting to own my brand. And, and really take that leap like, okay, everybody's telling me like there's no place in, in personal development for cussing and nobody's going to respect you. And they're going to think that you don't have command of the English language and all this other stuff. But I just took that chance. I'm like, I have to trust me and trust that there's 8 billion people out in the world that are going to resonate with me. I'm probably not going to be the most popular, but those who get me will get me 100%. And that's who I want to serve. I don't want to serve the people who are trying to be fake like I was. I want to serve the people who are ready to really just jump into their authenticity and do that. And I looked at Les and I said, thank you, brother. I said, you don't have any idea 
how much I appreciate you saying this because you and Tony Robbins were the, the two cassette tapes really that I was listening to a lot in my teenage years. Surprisingly enough, when I found out about personal development when I was homeless, I said, but I got to be me, Les. I have to be me. I said, I can't do that. He's like, well, Chris, I don't, I don't wear a suit and tie. He goes, I wear sweatpants. I always wear sweatpants and jogging pants. And he goes, I have to color my hair with mascara, which I'm allowed to say now because he has publicly stated that. But he told me privately, confidentially, Les Brown, the guy that served millions and millions of people all around the world. He's like, I, I dye my hair with mascara. He goes, my hair is gray. He goes, but I do this because I'm able to impact more people. I just have to suck it up and do that. And I say, Les, I love and appreciate you for that. I said, but I'm not going to suck it up for anybody or anything or anyone, because at the end of the day, when I die, I want my legacy to be known that I was uniquely myself, that I was not hiding or running away from any anything. Money and fame and impact are super important, but at the end of the day, I wanna do it being me. So when you guys think about your journey and where you're at, if you're unhappy in your life, you gotta go look in the accountability mirror and ask yourself, when am I going to be sick and tired of being sick and tired? When am I gonna realize that good enough is not what I'm supposed to be here experiencing and living and, 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 and thriving in this world? So many people are out there, you know, existing in life and they're playing the someday game. Someday when this happens and someday when this happens, then I'll go do these things. I can tell you guys and the God's honest truth. My birthday was on Sunday. I turned 54. 54. You know, when you think about the average life expectancy of, 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 of people uh, here in the United States, it's about 78 years old, depending on men, men or women. I usually, usually use 78. So you do the math and you think about how fast life goes by. When I look back on the last 20 years of my life, I can tell you with clarity all the different things that I've done and experienced and everything else. So that's frightening to think that the next 20 years of my life could potentially go that fast. But here's the deal, guys. I'm going to do it every single day, being authentically who I am, loving on people, loving on people, whether you're Republican, Democrat, tall, short, fat, white, straight, gay, any fucking label you want to put on there. I'm just going to love you guys because we're all together. Like I said at the very beginning of the show, if you missed it, we're all humanity. We're all humanity. You split us down the middle. I've done this in, in, in speaking emporiums or speaking stages. There's thousands of people in the in audience. I tell everybody, look around. I said, some of you guys are racist and judgmental. You might say, oh, that person is fat. That person is black. That person is this. Life. I said, but check us out. Check us out. If something happened right now and we needed blood, we needed organs, we needed kidneys and livers and hearts and lungs, guess what? We could all interchange. We could all interchange. It happens every single day. So let's start looking at ourselves more as a collective humanity. Let's look at ourselves as our own unique self and that we bring that peace and that color and that vibrance to the puzzle of what's called life. Don't rob people of the experience of, of being truly who you are. Go out there and whatever you want to do, go do it. Because at the end of the day, you've heard me talk about it, The Five Regrets of the Dying, an amazing book, Five Regrets of the Dying. I have it sitting right behind me. I can show it to you if you want. Five regrets of the dying. The number one regret of the dying is the fact that people lived the life they thought they were supposed to live. And they did not live the life that they wanted to live. Do not die with those regrets, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be back here again next Tuesday, next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you guys have asked me for this. I got emails. So you said, well, Chris, can you tell us who's going to be our guest for the next week? So let me just pull that up real quick. Normally I have it all up, but I had uh, I had her beautiful, uh, we call it a genius model with our coach. So next week we have on the show, Scott. Oh, we have Scott Kundel. Uh, Kundel. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it's Kundel or Kundel, uh, but Scott is a phenomenal connector, uh, network marketer, and uh, a fabulous soul. So you're going to want to definitely tune in for this next Tuesday, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And as always, in the, um, in the show notes, we have the opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. Please go subscribe to and support the audio podcast if you're watching this on video. And if you want to see what the, what the actual show looks like, you guys can always jump in the show notes on iTunes and Spotify and all that stuff. Click the video cast link and you can check us out in person, live, in color, uh, and see our beautiful faces. So we appreciate you guys here supporting this. Go out there, be kick-ass unstoppable. Go out there, live your legacy. Don't have any regrets. And we will see you here next time on the Raw and Unscripted Show. I'm Christopher. I love you guys. Peace.